Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. From the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network for movie talk, Alicia Malone with Scott Movie Mance and the Schmoes Know, this is Profiles. In-depth spotlights on the greatest filmmakers and artists in motion picture history. Hello, Hello profilers. profilers. Welcome to episode 15 of Profiles. Every week we look at the greatest filmmakers of all time. And after yes. a week off, we are back and ready to party. In fact, we are ready to rock. rock and roll. For those of you about to rock, we salute we you. We salute you because this week on Profiles, we are spotlighting Richard, Richard Linklater, Linklater, a real journeyman filmmaker, yes. an experimental fi- filmmaker, a risk-taking filmmaker. Mm-hmm. What is it about his 17 feature films that he has directed that has made you just go, this is a great filmmaker. What do you love about Richard Linklater? I love, firstly, his dialogue. He writes incredible dialogue. And Tarantino also writes incredibly incredible dialogue. But I feel like Linklater's, although it's quite intelligent, uh, esoteric at times, very phil- philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> philosophical. Philosophical. <laughs> um, it sounds so natural. And it's effortless. And I like how he gives his characters time. Time to speak. And time is a great motif in all of his films. Time is a great motif in all of his films. (laughs) A lot of his films take place in a day or less. Mm -hmm. And there's one that took place over 12 years. Amazing. He is a a filmmaker who experiments with a very loose structure. He likes to do extended takes, whether it's in his smaller films or his studio films. And this is a filmmaker who very rarely, I can only think of one other director who has successfully dabbled in studio films and in indies, and that's Steven Soderbergh. And he's retained the same spirit throughout. Like, even though he has a big budget at times, he still has that subversive spirit about him. And he came about with the indie movement, sort of post post Soderbergh, post Tarantino, and straight out of the gate with his first film, he yep. had such a distinct style. And he hasn't changed that style. He's evolved and he makes inventive movies, but he still has that same spirit about him, and I love that. It's like he never lost sight of where he started. He started with a breakthrough film, 1991's Slacker, mm-hmm. which was groundbreaking it was innovative. It was different. And he bookended it with a film that in 2014 was groundbreaking and innovative and a once-in-a-lifetime yes. movie-going experience. Wow. Like, it's this guy just really stayed true. That's the thing, right? Yes. And his soundtracks are always so yes, great. Yes, they are. Oh, soundtracks are great. <laughs> which is why you and I are rocking the rock and roll t-shirts. <laughs> ACBC, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. And of course, me with the Beatles because I am obsessed, as you know. Yes. But let's see. You know, a wonderful life, a wonderful filmmaker. Let's hear from the pit boss right now mm-hmm. about Richard Linklater's wonderful life. Richard Stewart Linklater was born July 30, 1960 in Houston, Texas. In the early 1980s, Linklater dropped out of college to work on an offshore oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico, where, during his downtime, he read novels and developed a deep passion for film. After cutting his teeth making short films, he directed his first feature in 1988, the rarely seen It's Impossible to Learn to Plow by Reading Books. 
Three years later, he directed Slacker, the sprawling, aimless cult classic that cost just $23,000 to make and grossed more than $1 million. Over the next decade, Linklater would prove to be a prolific filmmaker, going back and forth between experimental indie fare like Before Sunrise and Waking Life and big-budget studio movies like School of Rock and The Bad News Bears. But if this year's groundbreaking feature, Boyhood, is any indication, Linklater still has his feet firmly planted in the independent film scene where he made his name. He has been nominated for two Academy Awards, and he and his wife, Christina, have one child, daughter Lorelai. Another interesting thing, if you want to know more about Richard Linklater, yep. after you watch this episode, of course, you should seek out this documentary called 21 Years, Richard oh, Linklater. It's all about his career, and you hear from people like Matthew McConaughey and Jack Black and Keanu Reeves, everyone he's worked with, and I watched it this afternoon, actually, and I had such a great time. So oh, that's a good companion piece to profile. It's a great companion piece to profiles. <laughs> and, I, you know, you're listening to Ethan Hawke rattle off all the movies he's done. Mm. I mean, he made eight movies. I mean, he only maybe appeared, like, real quickly in a couple of them. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Ethan Hawke is like his De Niro. Yeah. Yes. And his uh, with Scorsese or, or DiCaprio and Scorsese. But this is a filmmaker who likes to work with actors mm-hmm. over and over again. Obviously, Julie Delpy in the Before series. Matthew McConaughey. Jack all right, Black. all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> what an entrance in any movie. Yes. Which kind of brings us to our first blood, yep. which I think is the same movie, my Correct. Friend. It is. Dazed and confused. confused. Tell me about the first time you saw it. The first time I saw it, it must have been, it was after well after it came out in cinemas but I watched it on VHS I think Uh, I think it was probably like 95 or something and again like many of the directors we talk about here on Profiles straight away I was like who is this guy and I have to admit the first time I saw Days and Confused I thought yeah it's fun it's a stoner comedy it's when you watch it again and again that you realize the layers underneath and how intelligent it is, even though it seems like just, hey, man, let's get stoned. Yeah, it's not yeah. at all like that. And I remember Matthew McConaughey making a big impression um, on me. And now, of course. Well, now, look at him now. Look at him now. Look at him now. Interstellar, Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> yeah, Days and Confused was my first blood as well. I saw it in theaters in 1993 when it first came out on September 23rd. Today, <laughs> it opened. Oh, there you yes, go. Yes, there I go with the dates. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I went to, yeah, come on. This was two people hosting the show. <laughs> But I remember just going there, expecting to see just some fun stoner comedy, Mm -hmm. which is what I got. But it was also just the sense of fun, that last day of school feeling. Yeah. Who doesn't love the last day of school? You're free. And I love those movies that are just about one great night. Right. That changes everything. I've always wanted to have that one great night. And that's still, that's why, because of that one great night, this felt for me what what American Graffiti was. It yeah. was, uh, Days and Confused did for the 70s what American Graffiti did for the 60s. And I have to admit, when I first saw it, I was dazed and confused because I actually thought it was a 70s movie. Well, I... I <laughs> and then I, I realized later on it's not. Well, I thought not only was I dazed and confused, but... I was something else as well. Hey! Oh, come on, you know, when in Rome. <laughs> yeah, get right into it. I think that is the perfect way to watch it. Yes, but it's still, uh, like you said, over time, there is a lot of depth to this movie. Mm-hmm. The dialogue is great. The characters are fully realized, and there's a lot of heart in this movie. I like when when uh, Jason London takes the the freshman under his wing. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah, exactly. And, and we'll be talking more about the film. Oh yes, we will later on. Save your thoughts. Uh, save the thoughts for our fast five. But because... where are our fast five visits? Yeah. So let's start with fast five number five, which is. 
I think it's time we started our new class project. It's called Rock Band. School of Rock. Rock. <laughs> oh, I love this movie. Me Came too. out October third, two thousand three. Nominated Alicia for one Golden Globe. Jack Black, Best Actor in a Comedy. How about that? How about that? This is a really interesting film because its premise it's pretty standard stuff. It's inspirational teacher right. stuff. It's it's a broad comedy. It's a big budget studio film. It's about kids. It's very sweet, but actually it has the same spirit as all his movies because when you look at it it is all about questioning the status quo questioning the man and embracing rock and embracing your differences as a person and I had so much fun watching this movie again Jack Black is fantastic. He's perfect. This is the role that was well. Obviously, it's the closest to who he really was. He's a big kid, but you like the way he. It like it made me really, really like him a lot. And I always liked him, like you know, in other films, and you know, I, I, I've seen him in, in other movies that like uh, uh, even Kung Fu Panda. He has that great spirit about him. This but childish this, quality. But he. This is like Goodbye, Mr. Chips with guitars, mm-hmm. and just love how he tried to like you know starts off just sort of like hey. Go, go play. It's okay. Fine. And then he just like zeroes in on, wait, these guys like can play music. Yeah. And he finds his calling and he's a great teacher. He bonds with the kids. He talks to them on the same level as he would talk with anyone else. I like when he's giving out the CDs. Everybody. Yeah. That was so great. It's so great. This movie costs $35 million to make and it grossed $131 million at the box office. To this day, it is Richard Linklater's most commercially successful film. And I love, because you said you were watching 21 Years, mm-hmm. when Jack Black was in the in interview for the documentary, he was saying how he really wanted to do a school See, cool. of rock too. Yeah. But he got Bernie instead. And I love that they recently did a 10-year reunion for the film and they brought the cast together. If you Google it, you can see the photo of all the kids all grown the kids up. grown up, yeah. And they performed a couple of songs and uh. it's so nice that they had that great bond. Jack Black for me makes this movie and I feel like it's very underrated. It is an underrated movie, but when you go back and watch it again, I don't know anyone who has seen this movie. Not even our friends who've chimed in on our Facebook page, Profiles with Malona Mance on the Schmozno Network. Mm-hmm. They all love this movie. In fact, most of the of, of, of the people who voted for their best Richard Linklater movie, yep. other than Boyhood, the second one that got the most votes was School, School of, of Rock. Rock. It's a charming movie. It's fun. It's a feel-good movie. And, you know, even though it's a big-budget studio film, you still have scenes that are very much true to Linklater's form. Exactly. Where he does scenes in one take, that scene. Yes. In front of the class. Yes. we talk about that more Yes, soon. we will. Yes, but we will. I also love the end scene when they get to perform, because even though it is, everything is nicely t- tied up in a nice little bow and it's all very neat and maybe a bit convenient, just seeing the kids perform, it just brings a smile to uh, my face. It's a feel-good movie. It's a feel-good movie. And what a soundtrack. It what really makes you appreciate classic rock, and I am a big fan of classic rock. I could tell you are. Akadaka. Akadaka. Yeah. Well, let's find out what our friends in Schmelville had to say about the school of rock. 
Margaret Azine, a first-time commentator Yay. on Schmoville on Profiles with Malone and Mance on the Schmozo Network, <laughs> says, while Before Sunset is one of my favorite movies, I have to go with School of Rock as my favorite Richard Linklater film. Not only was it my first blood, but it was also the first PG-13 movie I saw, which for a then seven-year-old was cool. <laughs> Even though it was his most mainstream movie, I love how Linklater put as much effort and care as if it one of his independent movies. Correct. Good point, right? Excellent point. All the characters go through their own arcs, and it pays off because the movie takes the time to flesh them out and make them feel like people you know or went to school with. So true. Or you want to go to that school. True. You want to be in one of his classes. Viguru Ramanathan, I'm saying that fast so it sounds correct, says that (laughs) I feel like a lot of people forget School of Rock as a Richard Linklater film because not many would expect him to tackle a project like that. At least I'm one who didn't. He brought out one of Jack Black's best performances and this movie also showed that black has real acting chops correct Dope, totally overall true. school of rock is hilarious and entertaining it features an amazing script alongside link masterful direction you really feel for jack's character for you dewey do. you do you really feel for dewey finn and you also feel for joan cusack <laughs> yeah they were supposed to have a romantic scene like after that scene in the bar mm-hmm. they were supposed to hook up i'm glad they really didn't go there i'm glad they didn't that would have been a cliche and sarah silverman is great too she's, she's so annoying great. yeah and so is mike white but he did write the screenplay yeah so it's okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that brings us to our right stuff and i feel like i should kick the things off because it is from School of Rock. Yes, let's talk about it. Well, there's so many great Linklater scenes and this is probably not one that people might expect me to choose, but it's one that really brought joy to me when I watched it. It's, you mentioned it before. It is the legend of the rent. <laughs> the great song that Dewey Finn performs for his students. They say, well, let's hear one of your songs. And it kind of at first you feel like he's making it up on the spot. Yeah. But then he comes out with this great song and it is actually it's funny at the same time it's really interesting and, and, and it talks a lot about the spirit of the movie too like you're not hardcore unless you live hardcore but The Legend of the Rent is way hardcore and it's actually a really fun song to sing and I like how he's performing it and going okay and this is where you come in this is where you come in and then the backup singers sing like this and it's all one take it's all one take and what I like about this too is one of my pet peeves in movies is when people are preparing for something like a battle of the bands and you hear them practicing one song and then they play something totally different. In School of Rock, they prepare the two songs throughout the whole movie. I know it's a little thing, but that really annoys me that, you know, they go, this is what we're going to perform and then last minute switch. So I like the consistency in that They stay true. Yeah. They stay true. And Jack Black, it sounds like a Tenacious D song. I love his voice. Tenacious D. Kyle Gass and Jack Black. So good. Well, I think I can guess your right stuff because it's one of your favorite scenes ever. Fire away. Before Sunset, the ending. The ending. The ending of Before Sunset is my right stuff. Not just in Richard Linklater's movies, but it's one of my favorite scenes in a movie period. It is full of so much genuine feeling and emotion. Now, this is a scene at the end of Before Sunset. It came out in 2004, nine years after Before Sunrise. Mm -hmm. And Celine and Jesse have met again for the first time in nine years after they had that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful night together in Vienna where they just met and they had this connection and they fell in love. They were on the same page. They spoke the same language. And you just really believed that that rose-colored depiction of first love. Mm-hmm. So nine years later, they're they're they go through all the stages, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the film, when they're walking up 
to her apartment and she's holding the cat and he's walking up just like looking around. She's looking at him with so much love, like she really loves him. So they're in her place and then she starts dancing. She sings. She sings that waltz to him. Yeah. And it is so beautiful. It is such a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. And their guard, all this, the, they were guarded this whole time they were together. That the, the guarding, it, it just, they, they strip it away. They surrender. They give in to the feelings that they have for each other and they feel liberated by it. And then she says to him, baby, you are going to miss your plane. And, and Jesse just smiles and says, I know. <laughs> and he laughs and it fades to black. Uh, and, and it's so sexy, even though they never touch each other. They never touch each other. And they never kiss. They never kiss. The studio wanted to reshoot the ending mm-hmm. so that they would kiss. And they're like, no effing way. No, it works. It works you so. You feel the weight of their love. You feel the weight of their love and you just feel just two people. I, I, I mean, yeah, there's movies where people have chemistry. Like, I mean, to say Jerry Maguire, you know, Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger. Yeah. But what other couple can you think of that they just were so connected like this? Yeah. And, I mean, we'll be talking more again about this, but the way that Linklater allowed the same two actors. So they have developed this relationship together. Yeah, yeah, and you feel yeah. that. You feel the experience that they've had together. And we will definitely get to more about yeah. that movie and the others in the Before series. Yes. But first, we have a lot of trivia and to get to in our last detail. Mm-hmm. So so hit me up with some Richard Linklater trivia, will you? Okay. Well, another School of Rock situation <laughs> yeah. happening here that is based on a school in Canada in 1976 when a teacher made recordings of his students singing Beach Boys, David Bowie and Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, yes! Yeah. My boy, Paul McCartney. So I thought that was an interesting germ of an idea which became School of Rock. Well, School of Rock, on that note, my mm-hmm. friend, School of Rock was intended to be a musical and really? it could have been a musical, but they went the way they did. But the the story continues because now they are developing School of Rock as a television series. Oh, I'd watch that. I'd I don't watch know, that, if, but uh, if is Jack? Gonna I be don't involved? think Jack's going to be in it. I would only watch it if Jack is involved. But well, you know, if the Flink later's involved, yeah, maybe there's something there. Yeah, well, maybe there's something speaking there. Speaking of Jack Black, he, of course, he starred in Bernie yep. as well. And did you know that the real Bernie actually lived with Richard Linklater when he was released from prison? And that was one of the stipulations on his release. The judge said, uh, you're getting released as long as you live with Richard Linklater. And he said, I will take care of you. So he lived in the apartment above his garage. No way. Yeah, they became close friends during the making of Bernie. That is wild. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. That is very cool. Well, did you know, did you know, (laughs) did you know (laughs) that uh, Before Sunrise was based on a real night that Richard Linklater had? Yes. With? Amazing story. Amazing story. Amy Lerhopt, a walk that they had in Philadelphia. And later, when they were going to make, when Richard Linklater was going to make this movie, he found out that she actually died mm-hmm. just a few weeks before they, they started filming. It's so sad because so sad. they they kept in touch for a little while and then it just fizzled out. And he hoped that she would turn up to the premiere of Before Sunrise or yeah. that she might turn up for the premiere of Before Sunset. And it was only later on, after Before Sunset, that he heard that she'd passed away. 
just before I started making Before Sunrise. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, but I feel like these films exist because of her. Right. And she was a great inspiration for this art. Right. That her She lives on through these movies. Exactly. The Give spirit of that. Give me another one. That's all I got. Okay, I got one more for you. Okay. I got one more for you. In Dazed and Confused... The word man yeah. is used 203 times. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Love that. Far out. Far, Far out. out. <laughs> well, our fast five. Number four is a little different. Listen. I was ready to get off the train with him after talking to him a short while. You were so sweet, I couldn't help it. If you want true love, then this is it. Before sunrise, midnight. A tie. What? A tie? Wow. We couldn't choose between these two. And we love them both equally. We love them both equally. I think I love Before Sunrise a little bit more than Before Midnight. Tell me why. Because it is such an optimistic film. So rose-colored. It's so beautiful. It is so idealistic. It's the start of their romance. It's when they both, they weren't guarded. They weren't judging each other for anything that they've done or they haven't done. They had no baggage. They were just young and in the moment and enjoying this one night together their conversations they had it's basically like watching a play yeah because those long scenes that you have it's you know it's set over just one night and you really get to know the characters over a length of time and I just love this idea of meeting someone on a train then taking a chance on them and then just not knowing whether it will actually turn into something or if it'll just be one great memory well this movie was released on January 27th 1995 cost two and a half million dollars to make made 5.5 million dollars obviously not the kind of uh, box office gross that is screaming let's see a sequel i know but, but they so went and did it anyway and did. this movie actually won the silver berlin bear award at the 1995 berlin film festival mm. and i have to say that this movie before sunrise and the sequel before sunset before midnight before Sunrise, they're in their 20s. Mm-hmm. I was in my 20s when I saw that movie. Yeah. So then before Sunset comes out, I'm in my 30s, feeling a little uh, uh, run down by life like they are. Mm-hmm. And that movie comes out, I'm like, whoa. And then before Midnight comes out, they're married, and I'm married, and I'm watching this movie. Like I was right there with them mm-hmm. for each film. Yes. And like, I can't remember the last time I really was like this very meta in the moment with a film that may be, you know, the the uh, uh, John Hughes movies of the 80s yes. or Swingers when that came out in 1996. So and would- we were talking about how Before Sunrise, just by itself, is, is a nice movie. It's a lovely movie, but it is made better by the sequels afterwards. Definitely. But I do love how Before Sunrise, it's actually quite simple, but it's very complex at the same time. It is very idealistic. At the same time, it's very realistic. Right. It straddles those two things so well, and that's what Before Midnight does, which I know you really enjoyed, and I respect it for how bold it is, although I hate to see them fight. Okay, that's that's the there's the rub with Before Midnight. Now, this came out on May 24, 2013, 18 years after, actually more than 18 years after Before Sunrise, mm-hmm. and Ethan Hawke actually said, said it best when describing the three films. Before Sunrise is a film at what might be. Before Sunset is a film what could be. And Before Midnight is what is. And that is very, very true because even though Jesse and Celine are meant to be together, Mm -hmm. they are, they were made for each other more than any other romantic couple, I think, in cinema. 
yet they still argue. They still fight because after Before Sunset, everybody wondered that they stay together. Obviously, they did. They have two twin girls to show for it. They're on vacation in Greece. And the movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. Ford Linklater and Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke, they all wrote the screenplay. It cost $3 million to make it. made $21 million worldwide. Yeah. Again, not a lot of money. And I love how everyone jokes about how the Before series is the, the lowest least successful trilogy of all time. Ever, yes. Of all time. When you culminate all three, it didn't make much money. But it's the best. It's, it is such a great trilogy. It's such a experimental art piece when you put it all together. And before midnight, it's heartbreaking at times. Oh, it is. It is so hard to see these two fight at each other. But you know what? As he said in the clip, this is real life. It this is, is what happens. Life. I mean, when you're in love and in a long-term relationship, it's hard work. You have to keep going at it. Even if you're meant to be together, your soulmates, you had a beautiful romantic story of how you met, you still have to go through it all together until the end, and you feel the weight of their experience in this. And we were talking about this before when we're having lunch, how... Um, <laughs> You know, as when you're in a couple, you, you do fight and you do say things to hurt each other. You yeah. do retaliate and you do keep pushing until the other one snaps. I mean, this is all true. And as hard as, as it is to watch on screen, I'm glad that they went down the realistic route. It was a smart thing to do. Like you said before, you know, before sunrise is this idealistic look at romance. And then before sunset, they're older, they're wiser, they're not really happy because they're missing each other. Mm -hmm. And then they finally get each other, but it comes at a price for both of them. They both have regrets. They both resent each other in some ways. And uh, it, it, it was, when I remember when I saw it the first time, I really did not like watching them fight, yeah. but it was real. And Jesse even says, this is real life. And when they're arguing, he says to her, you are the mayor of Crazy Town. <laughs> <laughs> I love the scene at the end, though, when they're talking. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's nice at the end. I mean, it's nice at the end. But I love that scene when they're watching the sunset. Yeah. And, and she's like, it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. And then it's gone. gone. This movie was shot in 15 days. And and my question for you is, well, actually, before I get to that, the way the movie sort of bookends the first film, because mm -hmm. remember in the first movie, they're on the train. Before they even meet, they see that couple in their 40s arguing. That's what happens to them. And that's what happens to them. Remember, like, on the train and before sunrise, they look at each other like, Psh, oh, yeah, they're arguing. They become that couple. Yeah, and when you're young, you think, I'll never be like that. And then you go, oh, no, I'm like that. <laughs> now, here's my question for you. Yes. Should they, nine years in the year 2022, yeah. should they make a fourth movie? I don't think they should or need to, but I would watch it. I would watch it in a heartbeat. I would keep watching it. And I love someone said about boyhood, like imagining a world where Mason grows up and then meets a girl on a train. And it kind of all fits together. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Circle of life. But, you know, no one... Listen, Before Sunset was a movie that no one expected, no one really was asking for. We got it, and it was, like, amazing. And then saying, it could have ended right there. It could have. And, and before midnight, and no one, they, you know, they weren't even planning to do before midnight. Mm. So, question is, what would they call it? I don't know. We could just be here all day <laughs> just talking about what we could call it. <laughs> well, Cole Boone also loves Before Sunrise. He says it's a beautiful film about how true love can be found by taking a chance. Jesse and Celine did not know each other at the start of the day, but by the next sunrise, you feel you felt that these two characters had so much in common, and that it was genuine. You have to attribute that amazing chemistry between Ethan Hawke and Julie 
Delpy and the Spot On Dialogue, written by Richard Linklater. This is easily one of the greatest love stories ever put on film. I agree. I could not agree more. And Ezra Kubera says, Richard Linklater's Before Trilogy is a remarkable one, but Before Sunrise is the one that had the biggest impact on me. I remember loving it so much, I saw it twice in a row in the middle of the night. It has the most memorable and powerful scene in the trilogy and showcases the outrageous talent of Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy in terrific ways. It's one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. I'll never forget the fact that it inspired me to want to find that true love. Oh, that's so sweet. And take a chance. And take a chance. You know, it could be a crazy person you get off the train with or could be the love of your life. Life comes down to a few moments. That's right. And this was one of them for Jesse and Celine. That is and right. And what we have to show for it. Amazing, amazing trilogy. Well, one of those trilogy is mentioned in our big picture, which, which is all about the posters. Let's take a look at that video. Richard Linkletter may best be known for smaller indies, but his one sheets are still big enough for the big picture. We love this groovy poster for 1993's Dazed and Confused. Linkletter's breakthrough movie that did for the 70s what American graffiti did for the 60s and dig the tagline see it with a bud far out man (laughs) this one sheet for 1995's Before Sunrise may seem simple enough but the hindsight provided by its two masterful sequels made this rose colored depiction of true love feel all the more poignant beautiful and unforgettable And this breathtaking one-sheet for boyhood delicately captured the very first shot of the movie. Young Mason Jr., played by then-seven-year-old Alar Coltrane, daydreaming about his future. Little did he realize that the future would include making this landmark coming-of-age movie for the next 12 years. Yeah. Whoa. Amazing. Amazing. I cannot wait to talk about boyhood. Oh, I can't either. That comes yeah. later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. But for now... Let's talk about his great characters. I know you've got several you want to talk about. The player... The player, a yes. lot of good players in the Richard Linklater movies, mm-hmm. and we touched on uh, touched on this one briefly. But Bernie, Bernie, interesting. Played by Jack Black did not expect Jack Black to pull that performance out of his head. I don't think he expected it either. But and actually, in that movie, uh, Twenty One Years, mm-hmm. talked about how grateful he was that he got the chance to really grow as an actor. I mean, it was a real stretch for him, and he played someone who basically kill someone and you still feel sympathy and empathy for him. Mm-hmm. and and it was just a it's a very strong movie one that probably could have made our top five if one of the other ones wasn't there yeah but uh just sort of narrowly missed it but i like bernie a lot and it's because of jack black i do too and i also like all right all right all right uh, Woodison. Woodison. This what an was, entrance. yeah what an entrance matthew mcconaughey's big entrance and i love that he has adopted some of his sayings <laughs> yeah. for his whole life he always says all right all right all right and he's adopted that uh jkl just keep just living, keep living. Yeah. that's the name of his foundation what a great character. Creepy. Creepy character at the same time. But you, you, those guys exist. You mean that part when he says, that's the thing I like about these high school girls. I get older. They, they stay, stay the, the same, same age. age. Okay, dude. Fuck on. Lay off the weed. Well, Orson Welles is a larger-than-life character, and he's a larger-than-life character in Me and Orson Welles. What I think is an underrated Richard Linklater movie. A lot of people forget that he actually directed that film. Yeah. Came out in 2008, and well, for one thing, I thought Zach 
Zach Efron really held his own. First time I saw him in a serious role that didn't have him singing and dancing through high school. But uh, Christian McKay in that movie. He did a great job at Orson he, Welles. He did a great job. And that to take a character like Orson Welles and not play him like a cliche or a caricature, to humanize him. And that is what Christian McKay did. You know, I really sort of went out on a limb and said that Christian McKay should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor mm. for that movie. And I still stand by that. It was mm-hmm. just whatever. He just didn't get nominated. But uh, it, it, it's an overlooked film and an overlooked performance. Yes, it definitely is a great performance. And I want to tell you about the brackets that have been happening on our Profiles Facebook page. I love this part. I love this part. Our profilers, I love how they do this for each one of our episodes. They look at best scenes or best movies or best characters from the person we're talking about. This time they did best movies. So it came down after all the battles. Okay. It came down to... Oh, wait. School of Rock versus Before Sunrise. Okay. And Dazed and Confused versus Boyhood. Okay. Then the final championship was between Boyhood and School of Rock. I'm going to go with Boyhood. 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 Boyhood won. Yay, Boyhood won. Hooray, Boyhood. But hey, School of Rock... Like I said. I'm glad it's getting some love. It really got a lot of love. And thanks to see Steve Zissou. Steve Zissou, yes. Uh, yeah, we know and the real And everyone else who runs our page. I love it. I love how our page has just become its own thing. Yeah, it sure has. Yeah, I love going on there and going, oh, people have updated. This I, is awesome. Isn't that great? It's so great. I mean, our profiles page uh, on Facebook, it's Profiles. With Malone and Mance on, on the Schmoes No Network. Network. Head over to Facebook. Like our Facebook page. Page. And while you're there, join in on the fun mm-hmm. by by talking about the movies you love the best from the people that we're profiling. And while you are at it, please, this is really, really important. Take a break from listening or watching profiles right now. Head over to iTunes and please, please, please subscribe to profiles. Rate and review us. Mm-hmm. Cannot stress enough how important these ratings and reviews are are to keep us on the air on iTunes so we can keep coming back week after week. We can keep coming at you with all these great spotlights and profiles. Exactly. And as sexy as our voices are, (laughs) if you prefer to see us... Where we're even sexier. Even sexier. (laughs) Make sure you go to youtube.com slash popcorn talk network and subscribe to that if you haven't already. Check out all the great shows that are happening there. It's all the things you love about the Schmozno Network. Now we are bigger and better and it's going to be fantastic so make sure you go there subscribe and of course we love when you comment bloody fly we love when you comment on uh, on our youtube videos and we always try to reply so make sure you do that too well that brings us to this is the australian salute by the way that's what they call the australian salute yeah the australian the, salute the wife the in front of your face oh yeah yeah because the, the flies there's one fly and it's just like annoying the hell out of us <laughs> yeah. but it's okay Likes me, <laughs> there he goes yeah. there he goes okay okay this brings us to the quiz show quiz show hit me up oh, okay hit me up my question for you is is kind of one that you just have to guess okay because i don't think it's a fact that you would know but I just wanted to, if like, it's, is it a movie date? Is no. it a date? Damn. I should have done that. Damn, you should have done that. I should do that for you. Okay. <laughs> so, in his early 20s, Richard Linklater said he watched how many films per year? Was it A, 400, B, 500, or C, 600? Just because, <laughs> just because yeah. I'm going to go with C, 600. Yes! Yay! Right. 600 films. Yes. Yeah, Probably almost as much. Oh, pro- 
Maybe a bit more than we watch. I think I think more than we or watch. Or about the same. We watch about 10 films a week. A week. Say. Yes, we do. <laughs> Eight to 10 movies a week. <laughs> and we love it. Yes, we love it. And now half those movies that we watch every week are prepping for profiles. Yeah. yeah it's so the best research ever. Best research ever. The best homework anyone could ever ask okay, for. Okay, hit me with your quiz show Here question. you go. Here you go, Alicia Malone. Yes. In the Before Trilogy, yes. what is Jesse's real name? Is it Jerry? Is it Jonathan? Is it James? Or is it Jack? I'm going to go with James. Oh, did you know that? No, I guess. You to hell of a guess. Right on. Hooray. Awesome. Well, that is our quiz show done, and we both won that one. We both won the quiz show. (laughs) Woohoo! So now we get into our fast five number Number three, three, which is. I love about these high school girls. (laughs) I get older, they stay the same age. Dazed and confused. Dazed and confused. I had to include that. You had to. I mean, if it wasn't going to be all right, all right, all right. It had to be that one. It had to be that one. Released September 24th, 1993. Again, Richard Linklater's version of American Graffiti Mm -hmm. takes place one night, May 28th, 1976, Lee High School School in Austin, Texas. And it's become a classic of the high school genre, if that can be such a thing. <laughs> it's a coming of age film, as we were saying. It's it's one of those fun movies that you watch and then you rewatch and you're like, Oh, this is all about that that time in your life when you are really confused. You don't know who you're going to be yet. Right. You don't know what you want to be and you've got all these people telling you what you should be, the teachers, like the coach with a petition that he wanted them to sign. Yeah, yeah. And I love how it takes a look at several different characters at the same time and they all change throughout the night. In various ways. It also takes a look at different generations. So you have the freshman, and then you have the creepy old guy. You have the parents. And the parents as well. Yeah, yeah. I love like, the one guy, you know, his, his parents were going to go out of town. Yeah. And then they stayed. It was no like, hun- unpack, honey. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. Oh, cake. it's so great. But again, it has a heart. It does. And and again, a lot of the characters are, are fully realized. I mean, and, and can we talk about Mac, uh, not just Matthew McConaughey in this movie? The cast. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. He was such a jerk. He was such a jerk with the paddle. Yeah. I mean, he was like, you're dead. You're a dead man. And the pool is like, he's like, you're an embarrassment to this game of pool. It's oh, like, oh it's, come on. And the dialogue is great. When, when the Quotable hey, lines. When Wooderson is talking about like his engine and his car. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who, who really never left high school. I mean, yeah. we all know people like that. And you've got Parker Posey. You've got Mila Jovovich. You've got so many people that you recognize and I enjoyed watching the film again for the however millionth time because as I was watching it, I was like, what has this person done since? And oh my gosh, I forgot that person was in it. And I love, I think last year or maybe the year before, the New Beverly Cinema here in LA, which yeah. is the revival cinema owned yep. by Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. They played Days and Confused, so I got to watch it on the big screen. Oh, and okay. that was a fantastic way to watch it. Was it a double feature with another movie? It was. It was a double feature with Slacker. Oh, okay. So it was a link later double. A link later double feature? Oh, what that. Great double feature with American Graffiti, right? Yeah, that like the, would have been the fun. one night. Yeah, one night in the sixties and one night in the seventies. Now, at the time, the New York Times said this about Dazed and Confused: it has an enjoyable, playful spirit, which compensates for its lack of structure. Yeah. Rolling Stone said it's the ultimate party movie: loud, crude, socially irresponsible, <laughs> t- 
totally irresistible. Entertainment Weekly gave it an A. I think it still has that great dialogue that he's known for, as we said, but it still has big ideas within it. It's still them talking about big issues, and that's something that Linklater does so well, as well as the great soundtrack. Oh, the soundtrack. One of the few times where I heard, where I was watching a movie, and I was like, I gotta have that soundtrack. Mm -hmm. I literally went to Tower Records on Sunset, which is closed, (laughs) and got the soundtrack to Dazed and Confused. I kept playing Foghat, Slow Ride, I love Sweet Emotion, or Love Hurts. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just the best soundtrack. So great. And it looks beautiful as well. I love the cruising shots when they're driving. It looks great. It's, you know, set in Austin, right? Set in Texas, which often his films are set in and Austin becomes a sort of character Character, within itself. I love the 70s styling. It's just such a cool movie. Well, if you love Dazed and Confused, you will probably love the film that Richard Linklater is working on right now. It's called That's What I'm Talking About. (laughs) And the fly is like, get away! (laughs) Um, It's called That's What I'm Talking About. And it's a spiritual sequel of sorts to Dazed and Confused. And it takes place in the 80s. I can't wait for that. That soundtrack. Yes, that and is I'm so be. glad that Richard Linklater said he's wanted to make this kind of spiritual sequel for a long time. And thanks to his recent success of Boyhood, he's been able to do that. Just that. I love, as we mentioned, that he discovered Matthew McConaughey. Apparently, he met him in a bar in Austin in 1992. Oh, and you would have known he had something because yeah. he definitely has that star quality. There's what you're just Matthew McConaughey. You're just looking at him and just meet him once. You go, yeah, he's got it. Yeah, he's a movie star through and through. Well, Mark Todai, who I love talking to on Twitter, he says he loves Days and Confused. What American Graffiti is to my father, Days and Confused is to me. I saw this movie for the first time when I was in high school, and I thought it would be a brainless stoner flick, but Days and Confused is so much more. I see it as one of the best examples in the coming of age genre. This movie gave many young actors their starts from Matthew McConaughey and Millie Jovovich to Ben Affleck and Parker Posey and it has one of the best soundtracks ever put to film who doesn't love a little 70s rock and roll I love how our profilers are always on the same page as us they are always on the same page and we purposely don't read them till now so that we're not copying anything but they are always right on the money and and I gotta say too well I love how how the people most of them they keep coming back. They love to comment on our Facebook page. Yes. It's fun. I love reading their comments. And I feel exactly. like one of the great things about profiles is that it's not just you and me. Mm-hmm. It's it's everybody. It's for movie fans. It's for movie geeks like us who want to have fun yeah. and learn something about movies too. Yes. And and we learn something from them as well. They are as much as uh, as much of a part of profiles as we are. We couldn't exactly. do the show without them. And that's why we love talking to them on Twitter and everyone out there should use the hashtag profile files if you want to get our attention extra special yes. but we always try to reply to everyone and we've got at profiles sk which is a fan run twitter page yep. which i love but yes please when you're tweeting hashtag profiles and make sure you tweet alicia malone Yay. and tweet movie mance yeah because we want we respond to all of them yes. we are always responding to our our twitter messages and i love when people do hashtag film geek too because yes. that's what film we geek. all are well jordan rowe had this to say about dazed and confused one of the most rewatchable movies ever Ever made very true. Yeah. Uh, it's really easy for a film with so many characters to lose sight of a clear focus. But between the dialogue, the performances, and the little moments we get with all of them, we know them all so well at the end. Not to mention, da da da, it has the best soundtrack of all time. Yes, yes it, it does. does. 
All right, getting into our good, bad, and ugly okay, segment. You go first. Okay, I'll go first with my good slacker. Okay. 1991. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I watched it again recently and I thought, okay, it is very much of its time. But this was the movie that really set him on this course. And watching it again, it's a, like a lot of his films. It's so effortless looking, but also really complex at the same time. Taking a look at everyone's different stories. I love how it starts with Richard Linklater yeah. in the cab, yeah. waxing lyrical about a changing visions and going with one person changing to the other. And that's exactly that's what, what the it movie does. Is. Yeah. Goes from one character to the next to the next to the next all his friends was made for $23,000 it premiered at Sundance and everyone was like this is the guy who is this guy and you see in that great documentary that we keep mentioning directors like Jason Reitman and Kevin Kevin Smith Smith talking about how they saw Slacker and they were like this is brilliant right and the movie actually made one $0.25 $0.25 million. Not bad for a movie that costs $23,000. It really make. captures that generation, too. I'm going to go out. Time. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Yeah. Okay, my good is Bad News Bears. Oh, that's not my good. Okay, I, I just looked at your notes and <laughs> oh, I was yeah, like, uh oh. Well, here's why it's my good. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's basically a shot for shot remake of the original 1976 version with Walter Matthau. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it still worked. Billy Bob Thornton was was great as that sort of somewhat lovable loser, yeah, grumpy grumpy coach, <laughs> and and it, it's it's look, I mean, it sort of has some similarities to School Rock, you know, where he is reluctant to do the job, but then he gets into it, he bonds with the kids, and uh, again, basically a shot for shot remake of the original film, mm. but I still enjoyed it for what it was. It's not a bad film, no. it's just very. It's just very, uh, it doesn't feel like a Richard Linklater movie, but some ways it does. That's why it's my bad, ah! because <laughs> amongst his filmography, it was kind of, I expected more. I think it was missing that joy and that spirit that he has in so many other movies. And it's only bad in comparison, it's not even bad. It's only not as good in comparison to his other movies. I, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing to say. Not at all. He, we expect a lot from him, and he always, almost delivers. Well, what did you think of Newton Boys? I haven't actually seen it. Okay, not not great. Uh, I feel like he, he, you know, had gotten some success by this point. It came out on uh, March 27th, 1998. It's a great-looking film with great-looking actors. I mean, McConaughey, Skeet Ulrich, and uh, uh, who else is in that? Oh, uh, um, uh, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yeah. But it, right. just, it just wasn't very engaging. Uh, it didn't really, it didn't really sit with me, mm. and and I, I, you know, I saw it the one time it came out. Probably could have used a refresher course, maybe it ages well, but yeah, just not a movie that really resonated with me. What about the ugly? My ugly, I mean, again, it's not even that ugly, but I just think that Fast Food Nation is better as a documentary. Right. I just felt like it lacked focus, and it had a few shock moments, which was great. I'm a vegetarian, and I was like, I'm definitely a vegetarian now. Yeah, yeah. But I just wasn't interested in it. I just felt like it, it needed more. It needed more, more realism. I'm with you on Fast Food Nation. Yeah. Well, let's move on then to our fast five coming in at number, number two. two. Baby, you are gonna miss that plane. I know. Before sunset. Before sunset, Alicia Malone. I'm telling you, <laughs> this movie is for so much feeling. 
it is so genuine. I believe the connection between these characters. Mm-hmm. I believed it so much. Released on July second, two thousand four, cost two and a half million dollars to make, made more than sixteen million at the box office, nominated just like before midnight for one Oscar Best Adapted Screenplay mm. for Richard Linklater, Julie Delpy, and Ethan Hawke. It's actually Richard Linklater's shortest movie that he's done. 80 minutes. And it's set nine years after the first film, like we were saying, and just over a few hours. I love how the characters, like you were mentioning before, are so cautious of each other at the start. They definitely have their shields up because they didn't meet up and things have happened within the nine years. They have baggage now. Yeah. But you see so slowly over the course of the film that dissolve away and that that chemistry remains and you you see them succumbing to their love and just realizing oh this is something and this has to happen it's worth more than anything the the way these characters they go through stages throughout the course of the 80 minutes they go through the first stage which is the niceties the courtesies of oh hey great to see you yeah then it's just uh oh how you been catching up mm-hmm. and then there's the brutal honesty like especially when when celine breaks down in the car yeah and she just says you know i i never got over you i had that night and it ruined it ruined me because I never had that feeling again for anybody. He's just like, oh, okay, okay. But he's not happy either. Mm-hmm. He's married. He's got a kid. And he says that uh, he feels like he's running a nursery with someone he used to date, but they're missing is each other. Yeah. And and the fact that Ethan Hawke, uh, at the time, he was uh, going through a divorce with, with Uma Thurman. So the stress on that, it, Jesse looked very, uh, he looked very gaunt and mm-hmm. thin. And that actually added credibility and credence to the film because he didn't look happy in the movie either yep. until he was with her. They're still young, but they have baggage. Once again, it's got that great dialogue. Let's see if I can say the word philosophical. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, good one. Once again. And beautiful to watch. These shots of Paris. Yeah. Just gorgeous. On the boat. On the boat. I was like, I want to go back to Paris and be on that boat. It's yeah. so beautiful. And as we mentioned before, and we played that clip, the final scene is perfect. It's just perfect. It's just so romantic. And it just, again, it's just like when I was watching it again, I just, if you ever want to watch a movie and know what it feels like to really love someone just through watching a film, mm-hmm. watch Before Sunset. Mm. That is a movie that just captures effortlessly the absolute feeling of being in love with your soulmate, with someone you have this 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 one-of-a-kind Really beautiful you connection. Cannot with. shake. You just can't shake. And it. you can't deny it. And you can't either. deny it. Yes. Such a good sequel as well because it delivers more of the stuff that we loved at the the start. That right. the first film, the great dialogue and the, the characters and the chemistry, and then it it elevates it to a whole nother level. And that's what all sequels should do. Well, like you said, this is a sequel that elevated its predecessor. Yeah. I watching watching uh, Before Sunrise after seeing Before Sunset. I like Before Sunrise more. This movie was shot in fifteen days. And here's interesting perspective. So they made the movie in 2003, came out in 2004. Now, when they were making Before Sunset, uh, uh, Ethan Hawke and Richard Linklater were already two years into the making of Boyhood. Yeah. How about that? Oh, my gosh. Now, I actually reviewed Before Sunset at the time. And in my review that I wrote for Access Hollywood, uh, I said, if the original film was an idealistic, innocent gem, then the sequel is a bittersweet and introspective 
reality check. Mm. Jesse and Celine were young and, well, stupid, if you want to say, in Before Sunrise. They're older and wiser, though not necessarily happier, in Before Sunset until they let their guard down and embrace each other. Yeah, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. Well, Dan Skip Allen, who's one of our favorite profilers. Yay, Dan. He says, The Before Trilogy is a very underappreciated trilogy among movie fans. We always think of Star Wars, Nolan's Batman trilogy, or the Toy Story trilogy, but Linklater Crown three movies about love and the nature of relationships. Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy are very realistic as a couple who meet on a train, then they rekindle what they had one night, start a family. The last part is usually what happens when you get married and have kids. A lot of arguing is a precursor of that. I just appreciate Linklater so much that he gives his characters time. Yes. And you see the development of a relationship and how love is changed through time. Well, also, but at the same time, even though each film was t- takes place over periods of nine years, mm. the moments, the best moments, are are, are when they're walking and talking. Mm. I mean, before sunrise, <laughs> before sunset, <laughs> and before midnight. We're never going to forget this show, by the way. Go away, We're fly. Now, go away, fly! Um, but uh, Rachel Cushing, who's just amazing profile. <laughs> she writes the best comments. I, know, I think we read out her comments every week. I mean, Rachel Cushing has my vote for, for best uh, film critic who was not getting paid for it. <laughs> uh, she writes, Celine and Jesse's relationship over the course of the Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight movies might be the most believable romance Ah, how about that? Mm-hmm. Ever portrayed in film. It's genuine and rooted in what real life relationships are rooted in conversation. If I had to choose, I think I'd pick Before Sunset as my favorite because it adds another level to the maturity of their relationship. Mm. There's a sad quality to it because they both grown up, lived separate lives, each believing it was the other one who didn't show up yes. for that fateful meeting. I like that. Pre-Facebook. Pre-Facebook, <laughs> right, yeah. Totally. <laughs> it hey, would work now. They totally would have been like, hey, are you going? Yeah, I'm going. going. I'll see you there. Uh, Rachel goes on to say, uh, the spark is still there. Most movies contain fairy tale romance, which is totally fine because film is escapism, and we love that about going to the movies. But to see a movie as honest and as real as this one is just beautiful. Yeah. Done. Totally agree. Love it. That's a great way to wrap up that, and a great way to lead us into our Fast Five number, number one. one, which is... But, Dad, I mean, why is it all on us, though? You know, what about you? How was your week? You know, who do you hang out with? Do you have a girlfriend? What have you been up to? Let's see your point. Boyhood. boyhood. It had to be boyhood. What a masterpiece. What a groundbreaking thrilling like just in a way it just it just broke convention mm-hmm. released July 11th 2014. This is a brilliant movie. It is a masterpiece. Beautiful, breathtaking, special the coming-of-age movie to end all coming-of-age movies. A slice of life, of true life. This is both a time capsule as well as feeling very much in the moment and very relatable about families and growing up. Filmed over 12 years yep. and what was it, like 39 filming days altogether between 2002 and 2013. I'm amazed that I never actually heard anything about this, that this was going on. When I was at Sundance and they announced this as a surprise screening that Sunday night, I was like, wait, what? How, do, how did I not know about this movie? Yeah. And it just, especially in the internet age where, where film geeks like us know everything mm-hmm. but yes consider that that yes it was 39 shooting days spread out between those 12 years imagine the production designer imagine the scheduler like imagining oh, trying to fit the cast in and the commitment from the cast especially ella 
coaching. Well, for example, the commitment. Let's talk about the commitment here. Eller and Ethan Hawke, Patricia Arquette, and Lorelai Linklater, yeah. his daughter, who is, plays a, a Mason's sister, um, they were not allowed to sign contracts. Uh, the, the De Havilland Act it, it says you cannot commit anyone to more than seven years of work. Right. And this was 12. So what these filmmakers, what Richard Linklater and the cast had to go on was their word, was their commitment to the project, was their commitment that they were going to reconvene every year mm. and do this. And in the case of Linklater and, and Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette, they're busy. Yeah. They're busy. It would be so easy to say, oh, just forget about it. We don't have time this year or just something going wrong. But it seemed to be, it seemed to work out for a reason. Fate seemed to step in and there's a lot of great moments that were captured for real, like a home run and a baseball match. Things like that, that is just incredible. No other dramatic film has ever accomplished this, and it is really hard to try to accomplish this again. Well, well, for, for one thing, uh, the, the IFC Films said they would spend $200,000 a year <laughs> to make this movie. So, yeah, that comes out to $2.4 million, but by the time you add post-production and the music clearances in, the movie costs just under under $5 million to make. It made $43 million worldwide, and counting, it's mm-hmm. still out there. It's still, still doing business. There. But what, what a, it was a big, big, big gamble that paid off. And it's also, and this is crucial, you know, we saw this movie together. Mm-hmm. We sat next to each other. Mm-hmm. And when the first couple of years go by, you see Mason Jr., played by Eller Coltrane. He looks a little different. Like, maybe he grew Older. a little... And I love that they don't go one year later. Right. There's no... No time Chiron, stamp. nothing saying... You're just going by the appearances. Like, the appearance of this fly. Yeah. <laughs> this fly. Is a get, he's like a character on an episode of Profiles yeah. right he's now. He's a profiler. But uh, he's a, a very annoying profiler. <laughs> but uh, but but then, then you, you, you see, oh, he aged a little bit that year. Aged a little bit more. But then... What what really made our jaws drop was the scene when they're putting out signs, Obama for president. Mm-hmm. And you see Mason put a sign down. The camera pans up. And not only is he taller, he looks like a young man. His hair is shorter. His voice is deeper. And we went, whoa. It is so fascinating watching someone grow up in front of your eyes. In one movie. In one movie. And he had a lot of input into it himself, Ella. And, and as he grew older, he started to improvise. And they used stuff from his life. I love that it was a living being. It changed and it grew with every year and they use things like Obama they used uh, you know computers and these little moments where you're like oh yeah that happened and that happened and that happened it's a true period piece I just think this is such a special special movie I also love that nothing overly dramatic happens sure you're expecting it to I kept expecting a car accident or Someone some kind of, of accident or yeah, death. And yeah. Mason doesn't have the easiest life, but he gets through it. Like you have to when you're a child. You have to change and adapt and then you become your own person. It has so many layers to this movie and I really hope that it gets nominated for Best Picture Oscar. I, at this point, you know what? It has to. Mm. It has to. I mean, the fact that they were able to do this, to pull it off and not have it turn out to be uh, a noble experiment. What, a movie that's admired, like like Waking like, Life. Oh yeah, good good work on that. But yeah, it didn't good good work. It didn't really quite work. This movie worked big time, mm-hmm. and and there's never been another movie like it. When you're sitting there watching it for the first time, this is a once in a lifetime movie going experience. Even when you yeah, go sure. back and watch it again, you're never going to have that first moment of whoa, like <laughs> you like we did when we saw it. Yes. The movie, among other things, it is a a jarring 
reminder of the relentless passing of, of time. time. Again, again time, time and again, great dialogue. Great dialogue. And it, it, it was actually, if you consider that even though they shot for 39 days, the span of when they shot it makes it the longest production schedule, more than 4,000 days during that span. <sighs> and it worked. I mean, you're watching this movie. It's two hours and 40 minutes. I could have sat there for another hour and 20 minutes watching yeah, this Yeah, I was watching it going, I don't know how this is going to end, and I do not want it to end. Well, let's find out what our profilers have to say about... About Boyhood, Boyhood. Tyler Myers. He says, I love Boyhood because it never felt like a movie to me, but more a look at life itself. Everything in the film flowed naturally from the fantastic performances, especially from Patricia Arquette, the excellent writing, and of course, the ambitious directing. I connected to so many things in this movie, for I was around Mason's age when the film began and noticed all of the little things, like playing with his Wii and watching <laughs> certain cartoons. For a movie that's nearly three hours long, I was never bored with the film and and I was completely involved. Truly a game changer for coming-of-age movies. I actually, in my review that I wrote for Access Hollywood, I called it the ultimate coming-of-age movie, uh, saying that Boyhood is both epic in its scope and intimate in its depiction of a broken family. Olivia played by Patricia Arquette, mm-hmm. is the heart of the movie, mm-hmm. while Mason Sr., Ethan Hawke, is its soul, saying just what you said, how it is a it is a time capsule in itself. In addition to being a masterpiece and an instant American classic, it's hard to imagine another movie that deserves to win the Oscar for Best Picture and Director. Totally agree. Then Boyhood. Peter Quill from Peter Guardians Quill. of the Galaxy also <laughs> likes Boyhood. He says, any director who can make a film over 12 years, keep the actors together and make a kick-ass movie deserves a lot of credit. Richard Linklater, you dumb man. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Boyhood. Hashtag Boyhood. Okay, well, let's recap our Fast Five for Coming Richard Linklater. Coming in at number Linklater. five. School of Rock, Rock coming in at number four before Sunrise, sunrise. before Midnight coming in at number three. Dazed Dazed and and Confused confused. coming in at number two before Before Sunset and coming in at number one Boyhood. Link later is awesome. That brings us to the end of another amazing episode of Profiles. Once again, please go to iTunes and subscribe rate and review us on iTunes. We need these to survive. Mm-hmm. Go to our Facebook page, Profiles with Malona Mance on the Schmoes No Network. Give it a like and join in on the fun. Go to youtube.com slash popcorn talk network and make sure you're subscribed to that to get brand new episodes of Profiles every single week. And next week, who do we have? I have been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every <laughs> oh, great. Leonardo DiCaprio. And this is going to be a tough one because he tough. has so many great performances. What will be in our Fast Five? What will be our First Blood? Know. What will be our Right Stuff? What will be our Player? I don't know. Make sure you check out Profiles next week and find out. Before we go, yes, I know that this is going to be posting on Wednesday, but we are recording this on Friday because I have to go to London. So... I want to embarrass this one over here oh, and no. wish him a happy birthday, Mr. Thank Man. You, Alicia. I've got a little present. It might be squished. No way. Oh, no, no, you shouldn't have. You, have, you did it for me, so you I'm going to do have. it for you. Oh, thank you, Alicia. Oh, I did it for her on our Scorsese episode, I think, in case. Oh, it's kind of 
it collapsed a little bit, but there is your cupcake. Oh, thank you. Happy birthday. And I just want to say, this guy right here, I've never met someone who is the most supportive friend ever. So lovely, so enthusiastic. Yes. So much knowledge. And it is such a pleasure each and every week to spend time with you talk about movies. Well, the pleasure pleasure is mine. I would move mountains to work with you every week on Profiles. It is the highlight of my week getting together with you. You're my best buddy, too. (laughs) Way to go. Malone and Mance on Profiles. Yay. Thank you so, so much. Enjoy your squished cupcake. I will. Have a Thank good you. rest of your birthday. Thank you. Woo. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Christian Harloff, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.